The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Hi, my name is Jessica Click. My mom came to know the Lord uh, through a Billy Graham crusade. We were at church every time the doors were open, um, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But I can remember a turning point one night is when my I came downstairs and my father wasn't home and he was in a, a fight. Um, and he got thrown in jail. And so through that, it came out that um, my father had a drinking problem and that he was a drug addict. I started just questioning everything. This is what Christianity is. This is what Christians do. You know, I, I started to question God and looked for love in all the wrong places. So that led to a string of relationships that were based purely on the physical happened to get a job at a place where uh, a young man named Tim Click was working and started out just hanging out. The relationship was, was a good friendship uh, that quickly moved to a physical relationship. Two months after uh, we started dating, I found out that I was pregnant. We did decide together that we would seek to have an abortion. I remember that drive the first time. I can tell you all of the details. I remember in, inside that something literally and figuratively died in me that day. Um, there was just a part of me that I knew I could never get back. Tim and I are still dating, but I was pretty sure that I deserved for him to leave me um, because I thought that I was a monster. We did remain together. Uh, he actually proposed, and, and we were engaged uh, November of that year. In April of the following year, um, two months before our wedding, I found out that I was indeed pregnant again. This time I just made the appointment without even thinking. I don't remember anything about the second time. Um, I feel like that's probably the lowest point. Feeling that God wanted nothing to do with me, uh, that I was never going to be used for anything valuable. So what's in your story? If someone was to ask you to share today, what would you say? If you're anything like me, there's chapters that I would do well just to pretend like they didn't even exist. There's, there's pages in my past that, let, let's, just, let's just skip over those things. I mean, there's words that I've said to people who I love dearly that I know I can't take those words back. And then there's actions that I've committed that I'm not the, the most proud of either. And I'm sure if someone that knew me before would see me now, they would have a different kind of story to share. No matter how much we try to run away from our, our wrongs and no matter how much we try to rewrite the story of our past, it seems like the distance is just so close to the decisions that we make and it seems to just catch up over and over again with us. So where do you find yourself at today? Maybe you had all these goals, you had all these aspirations, but you didn't expect to find yourself in the hurt. You didn't expect to find yourself in that decision. You didn't expect that shame was going to be part of the script of your story. You didn't think that pain was going to be part of the pages of your book either. And, and you didn't know that you were going to hurt her. And you didn't know that you were going to leave him. And you didn't know that that opportunity that was going to be given to you, you were going to blow. And you didn't know that your values were going to get compromised. And there's just some things that we do that we just can't undo. 
at times. And what we do is we try to justify our, our actions. We try to justify ourselves. Hey, that's not me. Even though it was our words that came out of our mouths, it was our hands that committed the act, it, it was our thoughts that came out of our minds, but it's not me. It's almost as though there was something inside of me controlling what was outside of me, like I was possessed or something, and I'm controlled. Uh, I, I'm controlled by emotions. I, I was just controlled by my anger. I was controlled by that desire. I was controlled by that decision, and it made me do something that's not like me. It made me turn into someone that I don't recognize in the mirror, and, and I don't want to be that guy, and I don't want to be that girl, but the reality is that that guy and that girl, that person, is the truest version of who we are. And it would just be really easy to, to not accept that person as us. It, it would be really easy to just deny our own demons and say, hey, you know what? It was just that drink. Because you know I wouldn't talk to you that way, right? Oh, that, that, that girl made me do it because you know I wouldn't treat you. That's not me. That, that guy was the one that got me thinking that way. It was the stress. I had a lot of stuff going on. It was my parents that, that made me do it. But no amount of excuses separates us from those actions and, and those decisions. And what we find ourselves is we're stuck. We're stuck in the same cycle of shame, stuck in the same cycle of guilt, stuck in the same cycle of hurt. It's almost like we're in a vehicle of our vices, going down a path that we know we can't, we can't stop or even slow it down. And there was a man in, in the scripture named Saul who could absolutely relate to you and I. See, Saul has a life purpose in his mind to, to persecute and imprison Christians. As a matter of fact, he thought that it was his goal to eradicate Christians altogether. And the first time he's introduced into Scripture is in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts chapter 8, it, it talks about this young man named Saul who gave an approval for this young man named Stephen, who was a Christian man, to be martyred to be killed, stoned to death by an angry mob. And this is what happens in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. It says, And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Saul's one action, his one decision, led to a destiny that he could not stop. His, his one action led to a great persecution of many individuals. That one decision split up families. That one decision wrecked lives. That one decision left a brother, a friend, a colleague to be mourned over because of the loss of, of his life. See, sometimes we make decisions, and other times the decisions that we make end up making us and foresaw that one decision, that, that one act, it made him into this religious terrorist. So after Stephen was martyred, Saul would go door to door, knocking on people's door in Jerusalem, looking for more Christians to persecute. And he found out that there was more Christians in, the, in a city called Damascus because the prisoners were receiving letters in, in their prison cells. And so he decided in his heart, I'm going to go to Damascus to destroy more lives. But Something unforeseen took place in, in chapter 9. 
This is what it says. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord Saul? Ask, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. He replied. So here's Saul. He's directed by his decisions to go to Damascus. But he didn't know that God was going to meet him in his destination. You see, in the backstory, God had already started to talk to an individual, a Christian man named Ananias. And so he tells Ananias, Ananias, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go meet up a man named Saul into Damascus. And can you imagine the kind of questions that Ananias would have with God? God, I'm a Christian. God, he kills Christians. God, what did I do wrong? God, how can I reverse this decision of yours? But needless to say, he lets go of the decisions that he wants to make, and he goes to the the destiny that God has for him. And, And this is what Ananias says to Saul when he meets him. He says, then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again, and he got up and was baptized. I don't want you to miss this moment because I believe that this moment is extremely powerful for every single one of us. Notice how Ananias addresses Saul. It would have been easy for Ananias to address Saul by his habits, It would have been easy for Ananias to address Saul by his decisions even. It would have been easy for him to say, hey, greetings, murderer. Hey, good day, homewrecker. How are you doing today, coward? How are you doing today, liar, false accuser? He could have said all those things. He could have addressed them by what Saul had become. But rather, Ananias calls Saul by what God had already intended Saul to to be. He touched him, and he called him Brother Saul. I believe that the hand of God is in this place, and he's in the business of still changing some names and still renaming every single one of us. You see, what happened with Saul was this extravagant act. He had a before and after experience, and from that day on, he was a completely different man. Perhaps, just maybe, that the decisions that is leading you towards your Damascus is the same place that God is about to meet you in there to show you your destiny. Could it be that perhaps that the past that you're, you're so trying to get past that keeps popping up into your present is the same point that God wants to show off in your life? What if that moment that you're trying just to erase out of your memory Could it be that moment is the place that God wants to perform a miracle in your life? You see, that that moment for Saul was not an isolated incident. As a matter of fact, I believe every single one of us can learn something from his story. So if you have something to write with, if you guys are tuning in online, here's the big idea that I I want us to grab hold of. So if you have uh, your smartphone, your tablet device, you can take notes on there as well. If you guys are on Facebook or our online campuses, there's a note section on there. 
Because from Saul's story, I believe it's, it's the very script that God is trying to rewrite into our lives, and it's this, that we are called to live new. We're called to live new. I believe every single one of us would desire that, that destiny, wouldn't you agree? Where, where all of a sudden the scales from, fall off from our eyes and, and, and we start seeing our lives with so much more meaning and so much more value. We don't look at our past as a, as a place where we're trying to just forget about, but it's a place where God has set us already up for, for purpose in our future. And, and we're starting to see our lives the way that God has always intended to see our lives. And, and we're, we're living a new kind of life, not stuck in the same cycle. Unfortunately, though, that newness is unattainable for you and I because we are stuck, because we do have scales in our eyes that, that no matter how much we try to redirect our lives, it seems like the decisions have already been made up. And it leads us in a cycle of shame. It leads us in the same cycle of pain. It leads us in, a, in the same old hurt and the same old regret. Why is that? Because of what biblical authors call sin. You and I, we were born with this innate nature to go against God. Sin is any thought, any intention, any action that goes against God. It's, it's the scales in our eyes that has us thinking that we're going the right way, but we're really headed to our own defeat and demise and and this sin ruins us physically, destroys us emotionally, destroys us relationally. Here's Saul, an individual who thought he was doing right for his city and his people, was really wrecking people's lives, was killing people. He, he, was, he was tearing people's families apart. Paul would later write a letter to the people of Corinth. See, the people of Corinth in, in his time was stuck. He was talking about the conversion that he had experienced. He said, it's not just for me, though. It's for anyone that will believe in Jesus Christ by faith, and not just that, be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the people of Corinth in those days was a wicked people. They were, they were into pagan worship, and, and they had scales in their eyes that had them living stuck. They were worshiping a Greek goddess, a sex goddess named Aphrodite, and they thought that selling their bodies... And, and receiving monies for it and, and then bringing it to the temple treasury was a form of worship for them. Matter of fact, the people of Corinth was so well known for their sins that it was even an insult to be called a Corinthian. They were, they were stuck. And so, and so Paul wrote them a letter in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Here's what he says. He says, therefore... I love therefores because it's there for a reason. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. In and of ourselves, we will continually be in a cycle of being stuck. Stuck in our sin, stuck in our shame, and God saw us being stuck. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus his one and only son, to, to remove us from the grips of sin in our lives, to, to, to put his hand, his favor upon our lives, to remove the scales of sin and shame in our lives. His sole purpose was to die in order to defeat death. In essence, Jesus died so that we can live new in Christ so that anyone 
This was, this was what Paul was saying to the Corinthians. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter what kind of backstory you got. It doesn't matter what was in the script of your past, what you've been trying to run away from. Anyone, doesn't matter your class, your gender, your nationality, anyone that is in Christ, anyone that would place their faith in Jesus would be forgiven. See, Jesus didn't just die to forgive us, though, however. Forgiveness is great. It's just that we'll screw it up. We'll, const we'll constantly go back in the same cycle over and over again. So Jesus rose from the grave, defeating the grip of sin in our lives so that we can have a brand new life. And, and so how do we actually receive this new life in Jesus? God gives to us his invisible eternal spirit, and he makes his home into our spirit. The old spirit moves out. See, the reason why we constantly make the, the old decisions, the, 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 the constant uh, conversations that we perpetually find ourselves in, the, the old pain, the old shame, and the old hurts, because we have an old spirit. What God does is replaces that spirit with his spirit, and now his spirit directs us to new living. You see, the, the goal and the purpose and the mission of Jesus is not just to, to, to leave us where he finds us, but it's to rewrite our story through his spirit. So that glorifies him. And that's why we want to share a little bit more of Jessica's story. Check us out. Three years into our marriage, I found out that I was pregnant again. And of course, everything's set up right. We're married. It's fine. Eight months after Ian was born, I was pregnant again. Isaac is our second son, and he was born early. And I thought, well, this is it. This is God. He's going to take this baby, and, and I deserve that. He was fine. He spent nine days at the NICU, uh, and he was fine. So it was about when they were three years old, my husband and I decided that they we should take the kids to church. It just so happens that the first Sunday back, there was a couple standing on the platform, and she went on to share, and her testimony was she grew up in church. She knew all the right answers, turned her back on the Lord, and had two abortions. So she talked about over the years she thought that she was fine, but she had gone through a forgiven and set-free Bible study, and she now knew that she was free. And there was something inside of me that, that was craving that. I, I wanted to be free, but I didn't think I could be forgiven. So I sought her out after the service to see where I could get this freedom and forgiveness, and she had spoken of this forgiven and set-free Bible study. One Sunday morning, there was a pastor that had come to the church, and he started to share the gospel. He said, somebody here needs to hear the gospel. So on October 7, 2007, that gospel was shared for me. I asked the Lord to forgive me for all that I had done, that I had made such a mess of my life, and I asked, asked him to be in charge. I never wished or thought that a part of my life would, would involve abortion, but I know that God has used that, whether it's there at the pregnancy center counseling young girls who are seeking abortion or sharing a testimony in a church or a youth group just to have people come up and say, you know what, I'm hiding this sin. I'm struggling with this sin. And, and it's through that that God has shown off, um, that he's shown his glory, that nothing's too big that he can't forgive. And I know that through that, Tim and I came to Christ. Um, and I'd like to believe that one day I'll be able to hold my children in heaven. If you or someone here today is struggling with the thought of, of having an abortion, or maybe you have had an abortion, please know that there are people here in this church, there's people in the area who want to help you. There is a God who forgives, and there is a way out. You don't have to 
live with the scars and the pain any longer. Um, there is not anything too big that God can't forgive. The ground is definitely level at the foot of the cross. The ground is definitely level at the foot of the cross. I, I so love Jessica and, and Tim and their vulnerability and their candor. They're friends of mine, and, and they are the epitome of, of living you, living a life that, that's an only God kind of story. And, and perhaps you're, you're here, and, and you may relate to, to Jessica and Tim's story. Look, we love you. God loves you, and God wants to give you a brand new life. I believe that for every single one of us in, in our campuses, every single one of us talking or, or watching us online, I believe that God wants to give us a brand new life through the Spirit of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So how do we actually live this new life? I, I want to give you guys today just two quick practical applications for today. The first is this, to, to live new, you have to be transformed. To live new, you have to be transformed. Second Corinthians Chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is right here. The new is here. For Saul, his, his life, his decisions, his identity had defined him. How in the world could he change? For for the Corinthian people that, that he was trying to encourage to be changed, did he forget all of a sudden that they were individuals who sold their bodies for money, for worshiping Aphrodite, the Greek goddess? Did, did he forget that these individuals has, has already allowed their decisions to define them? They, they have become inhabitants of their own habits. How in the world could they change? For us, how, how, can, how can we change for, for Paul, as he was writing and penning this, this letter to the people of Corinth, what he uses in this term, a new creation, captures this image of metamorphosis. It's, it's kind of similar to what takes place when a caterpillar goes inside of a cocoon, but what comes out of it is not a caterpillar 2.0. It's, it's not a caterpillar that's a little bit better than the old caterpillar. No, what comes out of it is something completely brand new, something that is transformed into a new being, a butterfly. Similarly, what, what Paul was saying to the Corinthians, look, you and I, we used to crawl around in the mud of our mistakes. We used to walk around wandering with scales of shame and our sin in our eyes, but through faith in Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, we can become something completely new that, that we can become on our own. Now, we don't have to wait until, until we were, we're saved and place our faith in Jesus five days into it, 30 years into it. We don't have to wait for transformation to come when, when, when we get to heaven. No, what, what Paul was trying to tell him was the new creation has already come. It's not on Amazon Prime and it won't get here in two days or it's in standard business delivery. It's just three to five business days and then you'll be transformed. No, what Paul was saying and what he's saying to you and I is, Transformation starts now. God wants to transform our lives and our hearts tonight, today. So how do we become transformed? See, there's a little caveat to, to Paul's promise that he was, uh, he was trying to unpack. He said this promise is for anyone that is in Christ. Not anyone who finds their self-worth in a job, 
Not anyone who finds their value in, in their house or in their, their career or in a relationship. No, for anyone that is in Christ, they have access to this new creation process. And, and that requires a new identity. But when we receive that new identity, that also means we have to leave the old one behind. That means we have to let go of the old shame let go of the old past. Let go of the old mistakes, the old regrets, the old hurts. Let go of those because the moment we, we receive the new, we have to let go of the old because you can't hold both of them in one hand. So one of them has either has to go. So if you want to hold on to the old, you can't receive the new. So one of them has to go. And every time we decide to go where God wants us to go, that means we're giving up where we would rather go ourselves. And every step towards Christ is a step past our old lives. You see, to be transformed, you have to lose yourself. You got to lose the way that we used to think. You got to lose the way that you used to identify yourself and define yourself. You got to lose the credentials. You got to lose your agenda. So in the essence, to be transformed, you have to lose yourself in order for you to live new in Christ. What Paul was saying is the old is gone. Meaning, literally, the old is dead. For a Corinthian, it was absurd to even think that they could become a Christian. It's like a lion turning into a chicken. It's impossible. Genetically, it, it don't work. It doesn't happen that way. Something literally has to die, and something brand new has to come up. That's what happens when we place our faith in Jesus. We have literally died through metamorphosis. We become changed. And living new in Christ means that we sever the old life. And those things are, are behind us now. And, and Paul was, was adamant about leaving that old life behind because he was an individual who, who came and terrorized other Christians. And he hopefully gave himself up to the call and the destiny of God in his life. And he started planting different churches and populating more Christians all over the places. In Acts chapter 13, it actually captures this, this moment of transformation in, in Saul's life. It says, then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just a change of names. For, for, for Saul, he knew that I'm not the same guy anymore. I'm changing my name because I've been transformed. I'm a new person. I'm a new creature. I'm a new man. Just like what Ananias gave to Saul on, on that moment when he, he placed his hands on him and he called him brother. I, I believe the same thing happens to us today when we begin to say yes to the transformative power of the Spirit of God. We are changed. We are renamed and given a new destiny. I believe God starts to change the names from defeat to victor. From, from a name that, that has identified us as being hurt to now you, you're healed. From a person that, that was full of pain to now a person that has purpose. And he changes the name and, and we become utterly transformed into something that we could have not gone and been had it not been the spirit of God inside of us. And lastly is this. To be, to, to live new, we have to be made new. We have to be made new. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 15. And he says, and he died for all that those who would live should no longer live for themselves. We're not living for our old self anymore. 
but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We're not seeing things the way that we used to see things. We're not seeing things from the, the way that, that we saw things in our old self with the scales in our eyes, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We used to see Christ just like this. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. The new is here. You see, Jesus paid the whole debt for us to live brand new. We couldn't have afforded it on our own, but he paid the entire debt for us to live brand new. And this new life is not like the old. This new life is not you're going to be depressed less. The new life is not going to be you're going to get in less arguments with your spouse or you're going to be angry less at your kids or you're, you're, you're going to get frustrated less with your coworkers or your boss. That's not the new life that he's talking about. This is a brand new life of now God living in you and you living in God. And there's a process to this because it's both being made new and becoming new. This is what the Bible calls sanctification. It's a process to perfection. Every day that I'm saying yes to Jesus, I'm saying yes to, to being made new. Every day that I, I step forward, I'm stepping away from the old self. Every day I'm, I'm stepping towards Christ, I'm losing more of me and gaining more of his, his image. See, living new has to be a lifestyle for you and I. We have to lose our identity to gain the image of God in our lives. But what takes place too often is that we practice living new through subtraction. Let me explain. If I don't say this, if I don't think that, if I don't do this, then I'm good. It's true, but it's not true. Because what kind of living is that? It's almost like you're living new on defense. But what if we flip the script and start living new on offense? Because the, the reality is you can do nothing wrong and still do nothing right. What if living new is actually both and? What if living new is saying no to the old and yes to the new right now? Paul wrote another letter to the people of Galatia. And he told them about this concept of, of this newness. This concept of being filled with the Spirit of God. You see, when, when Jesus becomes the source and the center of our new life... His life compels us, and his character fills us, and what comes out is something completely different, something that couldn't have come out on our own strength, couldn't have come out of, uh, of our own understanding, something completely new, and, and he tells him, this is what happens in Galatians chapter 5. This is what comes out. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control says there is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passion and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. The old is gone. Whatever fills you will begin to spill out of you. Let me ask you what is spilling out of you right now. When the Spirit of God is the very thing that is filling you, something brand new has to come out. 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And every time, every time that that ugly head of hate begins to try to come pop its head back up into your presence, you got to nail that thing back to the cross and say no to hate, and I'm going to say yes to love right now. I'm going to say no to, 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 to the hostility, and I'm going to say yes, yes to kindness. When, when someone is talking bad about me, lying about me, and, it, and, and a violent word is going to come out of me, I'm going to put that guy back onto the cross because that guy is dead. And I'm going to say yes to gentleness. When evil tries to take hold of, of, of your, your marriage or your parenting or, or even any of your relationship, I say no to that. And I say yes to goodness. I'm going to say yes to peace. I'm going to say no to chaos in my life. I'm going to say yes to joy. And I'm going to say no to frustration. I'm going to say yes to those things. And what happens is something completely new, a different outcome takes place. Can you imagine if every single one of us would begin to say yes starting today? Earlier we sang a song, Yes, I Will, and I believe that you are one yes away from a transformed life. I believe you are one yes away from being made new. Imagine what would happen if you went home and you started saying yes to the things that God says that is going to naturally come out of you. I believe that there's marriages that's going to be restored in this place. Those watching online, I believe that there's relationships that's going to be reconciled. I believe that there's hurts that's going to be healed I believe that there, there's a newness that's going to just going to wash over people. Scales gone. And a brand new life is seen. Imagine what would happen if we said yes. Today, maybe you're saying to yourself, that yes seems so, so far away for me because of what I've done. Could it be that your Damascus it's the exact place that God wants to show up right now. Maybe you're in your figurative Damascus. I don't even know what brought me here tonight. But today is, is your day of transformation. Today is your day of, of new life. And if you've never professed Jesus Christ, acknowledged him as Lord and Savior of your life, look, you can't experience new life without receiving his first. And today, if you've never said yes to him, would you do that right now? Would you place your faith in Jesus and say, God, I'm turning away from my old self. I'm putting that guy on the cross right now, and I'm going to receive through faith, through the power of your spirit, your new life. I'm going to repent of my sin. I'm going to receive your forgiveness. I'm going to allow your Holy Spirit to guide me, to lead me brand new. That's your response this evening. Maybe you're here and, and you've already made that decision. What are some old things right now that, that you're constantly saying yes to? You can't get new results if you're saying the same old yeses to the old ways. So maybe today those things need to go back onto the cross, need to crucify back on the cross and say, God, I'm saying yes to you. I'm saying yes to the things that you've called me to do. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you. I thank you that that you desire to make all things new, that, God, that your desire is that scales would fall off from our eyes. I pray that this evening, God, eyes would be wide open, scales of shame removed through faith in Jesus Christ.
I thank you right now, God, that your plan is something far greater than we could ever think or imagine. So, God, would you allow us to see it, just a glimpse of it tonight? Father, I pray for boldness for the people that are saying yes to you right now, to profess it boldly and proudly, God, that their lives are completely transformed today, tonight, and we rejoice with heaven at that response, God. We, we thank you that tonight that there's people that are dying to their old self so that the new self could, could live and your spirit could rule and reign in their lives. God, would you be glorified in our lives? We pray this all in your son's precious name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.